You know what? Backpacking America is right. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> It's Backpacking America, an analytical podcast. Moving out, moving in, apartment or home in need of detailing? Call Innate Deep Cleaning Services at 845-243-7709 for some of the best home detailing you could ever ask for. Once again, that is 845-243-7709. All right, so I am here with uh, Frank McKay from uh, Breaking It Down. He runs a syndicated program that you could listen to on over like a hundred different platforms. The guy is amazing. Uh, right now, I I work uh, with him on LI News Radio 103.9 FM. His show Breaking It Down airs there from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Mondays. Uh, Frank, welcome to Backpacking America. I'm glad to have you. Anthony, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, drug addiction in the United States and, of course, you know, drug addiction in the youth and, you know, our our interactions with it. Um, Frank will be giving more of his um, nuance, more of a nuanced perspective uh, and how it's developed over the, you know, hit the course of his life and what I've seen when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, what I will say is, is what I noticed, um, especially like in younger children, when I was about like 16 or 17 was a lot of kids started, you know, vaping and smoking pot, you know, around the time that kids, you know, in the sixties or seventies would around 13 or 14, but the rate at which, you know, kids in that age group would partake in it is skyrocketed. Uh, I'd say in the, the middle of the 2010s and, the rate of addiction is is really astounding because nicotine has a nicotine vapes they have like a 5.5% content with the disposables with like jewels and and the ones you uh, the sticks you buy at the 7-Elevens but the vape juices can go as high as up to like 50% in those big vape mods uh frank you know you you've you've been all over the world you travel to 60 something countries you've been to all, a lot of different states i think you've been to all of them i'm not too sure uh you know what, what's your take on drug addiction in the united states yeah well yeah i've been to you know all 50 all 50 states six continents and about 60 uh 60 countries but i you know i i also uh come from a, a different era than uh than where we are now and where you grew up i'm i'm 55 years old so when i was uh when i was 12 years old it was basically 1980 so we were about a, a 10 years after the hippies you know where the hippies were um, you know dominant and you know there's a much different scenario there because it was the the vietnam war was there their dominance so we were we were about five years after the five or six years after the uh uh, the Vietnam War ended, but there was still a tremendous uh, drug influence. When I was 12 years old, uh, 13 years old, it was nothing to go to a concert with your friends and without uh, without parental supervision. And at these concerts, I mean, you know, forget it. Weed was uh, <laughs> was throughout the um, the arenas. I mean, just openly, you know, smoking people smoking in front of uh, the security guards, and there was acid all over and um, uh, uh, mescaline and you know hallucinogenics uh, and those type of uh, those type of drugs as 
as I got older, and I was in the music business, so you know, not only did we go to these concerts, but we we started managing. I was a you know I was a guitar player, and I taught guitar full time uh, as a sixteen year old. So I was surrounded by musicians. I was surrounded by uh, the 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 drug uh, you know culture uh, that was there. It wasn't until uh, you know I, I guess about uh, about ten years later. Uh, from from eight, you know, somewhere in in the uh, in the late eighties or nineties, where cocaine started emerging. At twenty three, I owned uh, my first nightclub, and and it was a rock club, and we tried desperately to keep coke out, to keep cocaine out, because it was such a it was such a disruptive uh, force, and we were able to in the smaller place in the, in the, the first place we had, and then we got two other places and then forget it. It was very difficult to, uh, to keep it out. But the drug at that point in the nineties and, and all basically all throughout the nineties was, uh, was cocaine. What's happened since and, and somewhere along the line, uh, the, the opioids took over and that was after I was basically out of the, the club business. So we didn't, see that and you wouldn't necessarily see that because there are people uh, people that are doing it are, are, are doing it uh, in, in a legal way right so they're getting it from their doctors and in many cases and they're abusing drugs uh, at home and uh, and many of them not getting out the this generation your generation uh, you would you would uh, be better to speak to about it but uh, I imagine the vaping has uh, has a lot to uh, to do with it, and um, and you can kind of vape easily. You don't have the the odor coming out of the the, the weed, at least on on marijuana. Um, you don't have that coming out. So I guess uh, the those who vape uh, could easily do it in front of not in front of, but in the, the same house as their parents without being caught or or you know in a a public place and just kind of you know duck around somewhere. In the yeah. past, before vaping. You, you you wouldn't be able to smoke a joint without everyone knowing you, you, you're smoking pot. Yeah, no, it, it it makes it so much easier to do, and that's you know there were kids that I would sit next to in college, and they would just kind of like like hide the jewel in their fist, and and it would, they'd make like a cough, like they were gonna cough, but they'd rip the the jewel or their pen or whatever. Uh, you know, and Coke too is a is a big still like a big phenomenon, I guess. Um, in, in party cultures, I went to a party school. And uh, Coke, Coke was a big drug, and it was scary because this was around the time that fentanyl uh, started getting fused in with Coke, and this was around the time that, I think his name was Lil Peep, he was a, a Long Island rapper that, that ended up blowing up, and he died of a fentanyl overdose because his Coke was laced with it. So, you know, we have laced Coke, and then we had the lung collapse issues, um, which were attributed to marijuana vapes, and the thing is, is that a lot of um, marijuana vapes, they're they're cut. If you buy it from the black market, they're cut with uh, all these other drugs and fillers and preservatives, and you know most of the time it's not even real, you know, marijuana concentrate. And on top of that, no matter if it's you know a legitimate marijuana cart or illegitimate through the black market, you're still inhaling industrial metals when you heat the coil up. So you know the 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 level. It's not just like you know, back in the day where you just smoke a joint or something and you had to like sneak around, like the ability to do it at all points of the day and catastrophically damage yourself because of the means of smoking it has like developed this far. It's going to kill a lot of people. And we, you know, people, you know, when we were in college, we'd make jokes about it, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, we're probably going to die in our thirties because of all the stuff we did when we were in high school. 
And, you know, I'm not talking about from my experience, you know, from me being doing that since high school, but like a lot of people that I was friends with have been smoking for a long time. And they're like, yeah, like no doubt, no question about it. Um, it, it's, it's concerning because it, it's also like, you know, what, what's causing this, right? Like why would people do, you know, uh, something so harmful to such a degree? Personally, I feel like it's a, um, a hopelessness factor. A lot of people, at least my age, you know, more or less smoke pot, you know, do coke, ecstasy, not ecstasy, um, what's, what's psychedelic, um, shrooms. I don't know how I got shrooms mixed with ecstasy, shrooms, acid, all this other shit to, to, you know, cope almost. Um, cause a lot of us feel that we can't get a house. We'll never get, you know, a good job. We'll never move out, you know, and it's, it's tough, at least on Long Island. Um, and in parts of upstate New York, if you live in upstate New York, you know, that, that attitude of, you know, we're never going to get out of here, but meth and heroin are big deals up there down here. It's more the party drugs. Um, but it's this general feeling of like, I guess, feeling alienated from, from, you know, society, you know, I guess it's that, that existential, that's what I attributed to at least. I don't know what you would think of it as, but, or if it's changed, you know, the motivations for doing these drugs, but I'd like your input on that. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, for the most part, uh, you know, each generation has their, uh, has their own, um, reasons that, uh, that someone could be pushed into, uh, drug abuse and uh, your generation. I, I have, I have four kids, and they're roughly in your generation. I, uh, my youngest is eighteen, and my uh, my oldest is twenty nine, and they have a they have a much different uh, reality than I had. And uh, you know, I learned from from growing up where where I did, and 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 how I did. And I grew up for the most part on Long Island, uh, you know, lower middle class, single, uh, raised by a single mother. But I, I learned not to uh, not to try to judge uh, the, the the next generation or or other generations uh, what what their realities are. But you guys, uh, you know, you just laid out some very serious concerns that that people have, and and you could understand what they have. And there's a there's a sense there of of no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, anybody uh, your age listening, I would, I would like to just say as a, as a 55 year old, trust me, you'll get through it. You know, if you could just, if you could just survive it and you just, if you don't uh, get yourself hooked up on, on, uh, on drugs to the point of no return uh, and, and you don't, uh, you know, get yourself into some terrible accident uh, that you will get past, this time period, because for the most part, everyone does. We, we do. And, and the ones who don't, uh, you know, are, you know, either just some terrible, uh, unfortunate, uh, circumstance or, uh, someone who just didn't recognize that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Having said that you, uh, you, you hit on some very good points. I mean, there's, it, it's a different, um, reality. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. You're a generation that that started basically started off life with 9/11, and uh, as as babies, I, my my 20 year old he was um, he was in my wife's womb when uh, when 9/11 happened, and uh, and he uh, graduated um, in in the year of COVID, and uh, you know had you know this bizarre um, ceremony or whatever. So your generation is uh, is certainly. A challenge, you know, it's a challenge as far as stress goes. 
and and you're the first generation that's reached adulthood that's had a um, that's had a global pandemic. I mean, I never dreamt before March 18th, 2020, that uh, that I would ever see a global pandemic. If you told me two days before uh, March 18th, and and I kind of underline March 18th because uh, that's that's the day that the NBA canceled their uh, their season. And, and they basically left almost a billion dollars on the table when they did that. And uh, and they did it because uh, it was it was uh, they were unable to handle what was going on uh, with COVID-19. And, and all three other major sports followed suit. Um, baseball you know, canceled their spring training and football canceled or pushed back at least their uh, their training camps and, and hockey canceled their season the next day. Um, and uh, also uh, Tom Hanks, famous actor, and his wife reported that they had tr- contracted nine, um, uh, COVID-19 in Australia while shooting a, uh, shooting a film. And at that point, we were thinking it was a death sentence. So here, you know, two famous people, famous actors, an old guy who won two, two Academy Awards, uh, basically, and, and many of our minds uh, are basically saying they're going to die. And, uh, you know, of course, we, we soon found out that wasn't going to be the case and that that uh, wasn't for everyone. But uh, all of a sudden, there was this major uh, change in society. And you guys, uh, as adults, you're the first generation of adults that have have dealt with that and, and had to see that. Uh, th- this has been a very strange couple of years. And, you know, politically, it's been it's been very strange for the last uh, you know, four or five years. And, and look, now we're, you know, at a point where, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, we could be looking at a third world war. So your generation is, uh, is growing up through some very challenging times. So I, I completely understand when, uh, when anyone uh, in your age group or, you know, a little bit older or a little bit younger, uh, if, if, if they have stresses, that they're dealing with because there's so many there's so many question marks it's a, it's a difficult time to grow up yeah i mean it's it's also the reason why you know you're seeing uh political trends that that you know we've never we haven't seen in decades probably since you know the coal wars of the 1920s and then the you know the communist labor wave of the 30s uh in this country and uh you know we're seeing it kind of come back again because a lot of people in this country are just like well, well you know, a lot of people my my generation which I guess I for for this for this episode I'll reluctantly say I'm Generation Z, and um, uh, a lot of people in that you know that generation is almost at the same size as the baby boomer generation. So it is the second largest, if not the largest, generation in the country, all supporting either some form of progressive or socialist ideology. You know because they or to the other end alt right you know far right type of deal. And it's uh, it's contentious because it's a contentious environment because a lot of people on both sides feel that there's nothing, and that you know they feel like their their backs are against the wall because of all of this. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people. When I was growing up, a lot of people, you know, that I went to school with were just kind of like, yeah, you know, why are we in Afghanistan? It's been like 15 years. I remember when Osama bin Laden was killed. I was in eighth grade, I think. No, 2012. I was 13. Yeah, I was in eighth grade. So. Um, I remember when that happened and everyone was like, yeah, we got him. And then it was like high school and it's like, why are we still here? You know? And, uh, it, it was, 
around 2017 that that things started to change um i would i was you know politically cognizant since i was like 15 so i was i was like political before it was cool you know what i mean so um i just saw like a lot of changes like really quick and it was in response to things that their older brothers and sisters were going through you know they were the millennials they went through occupy they remember the towers falling so a lot of that rubbed off on the younger generation my generation and um influenced a lot of this hyperpartisanism, and uh you know when we were in high school you know a lot of the the anti-drug stuff was like party pills like ecstasy molly um i i think mdma i forgot what mdma was you know stuff like that acid um you know that's what all the the drugs were party drugs to be uplifting and stuff because it was a really scary time and now it's all just like depressants and like you know, things that could just really numb the mind almost because it's a lot, like you said, you know, it's a mental health crisis in our, in our generation. And uh, a lot, a lot of people my age, you know, take more consideration of it because it is so stressful that you can't ignore mental hygiene at this point. I've noticed a huge wave of people my age um, diagnosed with, um, especially women diagnosed with depression, anxiety, bipolar, uh schizophrenia you know a a lot of like fucked up things and uh, for lack of a better word um yeah and it's it's just uh it's concerning because it's like where do we go as a country i mean like i have some solutions but i don't know if you know if it'll you know what do i know you know what i mean i'm just some guy but someone's got to think of something quick i mean this is the the largest this is going to be the largest generation in the country in 10 years and by by far and mentally ill obese uh drug addicted you know unhealthy how are we going to defend our country you know it becomes a national security issue at this point yeah well you know you 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 bring up all of these you know great points i mean no no question about it It, the the scariest factor always is is the unknown and you know as you as we sit here and we talk about drug abuse i i agree with you i think it's easier than ever to, you know, for people to get drugs. It's easier, uh, you know, especially when people were isolated. Um, I don't, I'm not saying it's easier to get drugs while they were isolated, but certainly easier to do drugs and to to function on uh, on some kind of substance um, while you don't have to run into people. You had an excuse. You had a mask on. You uh, you had reasons to stay away from people. So people are are less likely to notice that that you look fucked up and if uh, and if you don't look fucked up i mean uh, who knows you're fucked up and if you don't have to speak on the phone and you're and you're texting and you whatever it's a lot easier to fake it it's a lot e- easier to fake it so if you do have the drug problem it's it, it's a it's a hell of a lot easier to cover up the fact that you're you're suffering from uh, from substance abuse the the bigger unknown that's coming up now and and as you know i don't know that your listeners know but i just I just came from the Ukraine, and I was in this one spot near the, the Polish border, and they bombed the living hell out of it like seven hours and 20 minutes after I was there. And I, everyone started texting me, um, and this was just one of the, you know, let's say five days I was in the Ukraine. I was in Europe for, for 15 days, and uh, as I left the Ukraine and got back into this Polish village that uh, wasn't that far 
from from where I was. It was you know I don't know maybe an hour away, but I, I was uh, I, I went back to a village that I was uh, that I was in the day before, and the whole vibe changed. And the first thing that I noticed, and, and I was in a parking lot waiting to go into this little this little bed and breakfast that I uh, I was able to find a room, and, and and I mean it was a tiny little room. It was a little cot, no TV, no. Uh, microwave, very cheap, clean. It was warm, but it was uh, it was over a uh, a bar, you know, like a, a bar restaurant. But what I didn't know is that there was a, a bar for eighteen year olds or twenty year olds or, or folks your age there. And I had camera equipment with me, and uh, and on that first floor there was this there was this bar, and and guys were hanging out there, and they were vaping outside or smoking. They were going outside to smoke. And it was freezing cold. I mean, it was uh, very cold. And these guys, and they looked like nice-looking kids, uh, uh, you know, clean-cut kids, well-dressed. And they were kind of screaming, being rambunctious. Uh, I guess they had a couple of drinks in them or whatever. And they were, dr- they was, they were uh, uh, screaming at, at some of the older people in the village. I didn't see that the day before. But then again, I didn't see, I didn't even know this bar existed at that point. So I kind of waited till they went in. Uh, before I walked in with, you know, my camera equipment and I walked up to the, the place I was going to stay for the night. And the, um, uh, the, the um, jukebox in that lower bar must have had the REM song. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but it's the end of the world as we know it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard, I heard them singing that song and I wanted to go down there badly with the, uh, the equipment to, to get that scene. And the bartender was a big, heavy set, like a like a, a, a stereotypical Polish guy that would own a bar. You know, he, he and his sister owned it, and he and he talked me out of going down there. He said he said they're little shitters, and he said they're all shaken up because uh, the bombing. You know, the the bombing happened close to the the border, and he he was basically if I was reading through you know through the uh, lines, you know, reading uh, between the lines correctly, uh, what what he was saying is what I was thinking is that they're reacting strongly because they're going to be the ones that are called in. If it turns into a NATO war, for example, these are the guys that are going to be on the, uh, on the front lines. They're going to be uh, the guys uh, called on to protect Poland. And, and if, uh, if Russia decides to go after uh, Poland, these are the guys that are going to do it. So their lives are going to dramatically change. I mean, we, we mentioned, or I mentioned Vietnam before, and that was the big difference between the generation before me, or at least 10 years prior to me, and, uh, and, and what I grew up in was the war and, and the, the questioning whether you're going to get drafted or not, whether you're going to end up in war, and that's not there. But if this turns in to, yeah, I mean, never mind Poland, but if this turns into the Third World War, um, your generation here, my kids' generation, uh, in in uh, in America, are going to experience a much different reality, and I, I wouldn't even venture a guess of what would be going on there. What kind of drug abuse would be going on there? What kind of protests would be going on? What kind of revolt? What kind of uh, politics? Uh, you know, you might get far away from the uh, the socialism that uh, that seems to be the trend now. Um, you might see that disappear, and you might see a much different, uh, you know, yet defined. Um, uh, balance of, of where uh, where young people are going with their with their politics. I don't know. I mean, it's completely unknown. 
and you know, I'm kind of out of the prediction business. But what we're looking at now, if this happens, and I hope it doesn't, you know, I hope you know we we don't become a participant in the Third World War. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to believe we probably will be. You know, unfortunately, you don't want that. I don't want that. But if that happens, then all bets are off, and we have uh, absolutely no idea what uh, your generation will have to go through. It'll be a much uh, difficult, much more challenging time than what I would have had to, uh, to deal with as uh, as a young person. It's 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 really scary. A lot of people think we're going to get drafted. Like a lot of people my age, that's the fears that they'll bring it back. Um, you know, I, I actually my my Nuno fought in World War Two. He went. He was in Normandy, and I have a box of his stuff and my my Nani's stuff. And um, I'm going through it, and I find you know ration cards, and I'm like, oh, holy shit! You know, I'm looking at like how much bread someone could get, how much gas someone could get, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, if we ever implement this now, no one's going to be prepared. Like it's going to be it's going to be chaos. Uh, there was, you know, back then there were there were forgeries of of draft of uh, ration cards. You know, it's gonna go crazy today. Um, there's fear of, you know, I, I think the protests. I, I feel like there would be more of a socialist response or a nationalist response. It would be both, you know, socialism and then you know the far right fascism. I feel like those would be the two camps because, you know, on one end, you know, the socialists are anti-war. You know, they don't want to go to war. I feel like they'd end up, you know, spearheading the anti-war movement. And I feel like, you know, the far right would spearhead the interventionist movement. You know, we need to, you know, bring America back to the global stage by force and nuclear fire, you know. Um, that That's what I could see going just from just from the lay of the land that, that I'm involved with. Because I, I do political work on a little bit here and there. Not as much as I used to, but it's, uh, I, I could see it going in, in that direction and it is terrifying you know i remember during 2020 with, with just trump's election you know everyone in my you know i was in college then and uh, i was in, in my town actually i didn't go home for covid i stayed put and uh the people that were left we were all just kind of you know hesitant like the you like the air was like you could cut the air and eat the air that's how t- dense it was in, in that area um if the if it gets to that point like right now i feel like our country's in a weird state of calm where it's like okay you know like yeah stand with ukraine but it's not our country it's over there you know this is some social media thing for most people you know to look woke other people you know have serious uh you know connections to ukraine so there's some long islanders that went some people donated guns you know, th- those are some things that most, but most people, most Americans are just kind of like, oh, I'll fly a Ukrainian flag and, you know, call it a day, you know. Um, it's it's scary. It's definitely scary because we don't know what's going on. I mean, we're more terrified of nuclear war because that's not something our generation had to deal with. We were the school, we were hiding under desks to, from bullets. You guys were hiding under desks from bombs. So like the, 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 the action is the same, but the outcome is wildly different. Um, I, the, the prevailing attitude of, of most people my age is just kill me now. I hope they bomb now. So that way we could just get it over with, which is really sad to hear. Um, I, I feel like it, it, there's so much despair, like, like it's so overwhelming at this point that all you could do is just like, la- like, I don't hold this, but a lot of people my age hold that all you could do is just laugh at it. You can't really change it. It's never going to change, you know? And it's not true. You know, your voice matters, uh, your vote matters to an extent, you know, you still have the freedom of assembly. Um, 
you know, you could still go out and do things. You know, if we're going to demand the Russian people go out and, you know, Red Square and they're getting hauled away for holding, you know, white paper, you know, we can, you know, in our country go out and have an actual protest against involvement. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people have to remember is that, you know, the reality here is different than everywhere else. And in a lot of cases, it's exaggerated by fear. Yeah. I, it, look, you know, a couple of things that you, you said in there, you know, stand out. I mean, first of all, I, I, I don't think that they'll ever put in a draft. I don't think we're going to be at that point. Um, it's, uh, it's, we're not going to be in a ground war. Um, it's it, it's a much scarier um, uh, situation than that. I mean, I spent at least uh, at least uh, six days over there where I was thinking this is this is it. You know, this is this is the start. I'm watching the beginning of the of the Third World War, and the Third World War is not going to be fought, uh, you know, on, on the ground, and it's terrible. I think Albert Einstein. Had a, uh, had a had a great line. I'm paraphrasing. He said, uh, World War III, uh, he doesn't know what weapons will be used in World War III, but he knows what will be used in World War IV, uh, sticks and stones and clubs. And, uh, and, and I thought that was a, a poignant uh, a point to bring up. And, uh, and, and he's probably right. It'll, it'll, it'll bomb us back to the, the Stone Age, and God knows what, uh, what kind of situation could... Um, erupt from uh, from something like that. I, I mean, NATO. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I know we started with drug abuse, and we're you know, here. We are talking Ukraine, but uh, you know, all all roads lead to uh, to what's going on there. If it if it uh, solves itself somehow, and it just you know is an Eastern Europe situation, then you know, then look, uh, you know, there was a lot of. Um, concern for uh, for no reason and and again we're sympathetic of course we uh i think it's terrible what's happening to a small nation and and so forth but i again i'm not ready to send you guys over there i'm not ready to send our uh, our people in uniforms uh anywhere near there uh but i'm different from you i mean i'm uh i i'm all for uh funding them and and giving them uh some uh, you know giving them some funds and giving them some planes or whatever but uh not uh, having the troops uh, shoot uh, at Russian uh, at Russian soldiers or Russian uh, planes uh, ourselves. I mean, that's just, you know, that's World War III. I mean, yeah. a, a NATO reaction, uh, a physical NATO, a military NATO reaction to this is World War III. And that would be that would be the most devastating. I mean, I I would hope, like in my mind, I would have hope that we would just agree not to use nuclear weapons. And we would just call it a day, but it because you know a lot of it too. Like like how like how solid is the mutually assured destruction you know concept? Like how solid is that? Like who really wants to be the one to end access to clean drinking water? You know, like if you do that, like there's like what's the point? You're not conquering anything. I feel like I feel like nuclear war is possible if the person disregards you know their imperial objective. Because at the end of the day, everyone, everyone in power just want, I mean, everyone wants to make money, but especially the people that are calling the shots, they want to make money and they want their international goal met. So to me, it's like, I'm afraid of nuclear war because what if there's something more than just money? You know what I mean? What if it's just pride and I destroyed the United States or I destroyed the Russian Federation? You know, what if that's just enough to end the world? That's what scares me. But for the most part, I feel kind of secure thinking about, you know, the fact that 
okay, they want to secure political influence, financial capital expansion, creating multipolarity, you know, that's kind of like my saving grace as morbid as it is, is that, you know, there's other objectives beyond just complete annihilation of the enemy. But I still have my work bag kind of set up as a, as a survival bag, just in case, you know, someone decides to go nuclear. Um, my biggest fear is more just like an accidental firing, if anything, because of all the accidents that happen at these silos that we just like never hear of until like 40 years later. <laughs> so, you know, that's more yeah. like my anxiety of it. And I want to I want to touch more on the Ukraine stuff, but I know we're going to record that tomorrow. Um, and I don't I don't want to get get all the good stuff, get all the good stuff in here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, listen, uh, the as far as uh, a nuclear war goes, and, and again, we'll talk about that more tomorrow, but uh, a nuclear war, um, it all starts and ends with Putin. I mean, there's no way that anyone surrounding uh, that uh, that war, I mean, maybe the Ukraine's out of total desperation, uh, but they don't they don't have nuclear weapons. It would come down to Putin. And uh, we don't know what his you know, what his mindset is. And again, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Here we're talking about drug abuse. And, and I think, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of uh, reason. There's plenty, uh, plenty of motivation uh, for people, and I hope they don't, uh, but uh, to, to wallow in, uh, in fear and, and be concerned with fear. They shouldn't be. I mean, we've, we've dealt with this all along. But you had mentioned that people in your generation are like, well, all we could do is laugh. Well, at this point, there's, there's no reality to it yet. You know, there's, there's a, uh, a spike at the, at the gas tank, and that's what we're seeing now. I mean, then your generation isn't truly believing. I don't think they're believing that we're, we're looking at a third world war. Uh, I, don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's there yet, and it's easy to joke. We used to joke like that, too, you know, about... You know, it, when Ronald Reagan was president, and I liked Ronald Reagan, by the way, uh, but uh, when Ronald Reagan was president, people would uh, were trying to say, oh, he, he'll start he'll start a nuclear war. He'll do this, whatever. As it turns out, he was he was not. He was uh, he was, uh, you know, in the in the in the midst of um, of building up a, um, you know, a, a, a an arms race that that, that you, the USSR couldn't keep up with and so forth. Uh, and, anyway, but that. Uh, that being said, our generation at my, at your age, when I was your age, we were talking about that and we were joking about that. But if it ever came down to reality, that the joking would stop and then people would have to take a serious position. You might be right. Maybe people would uh, would turn to uh, socialism and uh, and the other people would turn to the right. Uh, I I don't know. It's it's unknown and and. I, I think we'd we'd be guessing uh, to think of where it goes, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, if you're listening out there and 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 you're dealing with any kind of uh, substance abuse, get you get yourself some some help. And, and again, I know it's easy to say you can't snap your fingers, but um, I, you, you know, it's a it's a sickness, and it's something that you can that you can find uh, help for. And if you're if you're listening and you think that there's uh, there's no help, trust me with the first thing you got to do in order for there to be hope is to is to get your sobriety back to get uh, to get a handle on your um, on your substance abuse and once that uh, is tackled then uh, then things get get brighter and brighter as it goes along so if you're not that far along in your abuse um, uh, try to stop it now and and you know again you could learn from the generations before you uh, substance abuse will do nothing for you uh, in any kind of positive way.
Oh yeah. I mean, and if you start, if you stop now, you know, if you're like in your mid twenties and you stop, you have like a long, you have five years of, of where your body has, um, produces more health, more living cells than dead cells. So by the time you're 30, actually your, your cells start dying faster than they could be replicated. So stopping now is, is way better. You know what I mean? Especially if you just got out of college or you're in college and you notice you're going a little too hard with the benders and your benders are lasting a month. Um, I know some people like that. Unfor- you know, unfortunately, they went down that way. But, you know, it, stopping before it becomes an issue is, is, is a serious thing. And there's things to look forward to, like, you know, like goals. Like, not everything has to be terrible, you know. Um, you could set, like, a fitness goal or you could set, like, a, a, a goal to, like, I don't know, learn a new skill or something. You know, th- there's a bunch of things. Like, if there's a, a passion you have, focus on that, you know, and really try to get good for that. Um, th- there's there's a lot of things that, that you could do to combat that. Um there's and then you know you think of the health aspect too i mean like if you don't like hospitals and you don't like needles you know i hate to break it to you but if your organs start failing you're gonna learn to love it you know and i don't think anyone really wants yeah. to do that uh, it's you know overall there, there's a lot of you know as much as i like to point to the economic and social issues too that that are, are catalysts for it at the end of the day the first line of defense against that influencing you is well you so, you know, just knowing the risks and everything like that, you know, it's the same thing with alcohol. You know, a lot of people are like, well, alcohol is not a drug. And it's like, no, it is a drug. And, you know, you need to, dr- yeah. you know, it depends on your relationship with the substance. If you're just kind of like, yeah, I want to do the college stoner thing. And, you know, just, just, you know, after college, I'll be good. And you stick to that. Good for you. But some people need help. And, you know, stuff happens in college. It's not all fun. It's not all fun in games. Um, personally, I think everyone going to college is, is a terrible idea because it leads to stuff like that. But you know that I'm again, just some guy, but, um, (laughs) I I like to say I'm just some jackass with a microphone, but, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of things, a lot of goals you can work towards to, to not get hooked on that stuff and to set goals, to break free of it, you know, and it starts with you. Well, I'm in agreement with you on all of that. And listen, at the end of the day, uh, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully, hopefully the uh, your generation is uh, is is able to learn, learn from my generation and the ones before. I mean, substance abuse is uh, is not going to get you anywhere. And if you could uh, write it off as, hey, I I have this experience. I I um you know I went crazy in college or high school or, or a little afterwards. Uh, you know, there's uh you know being a drug addict, being uh, addicted to any kind of uh, substance, whether it's alcohol or or, or drugs uh, has no redeeming social value. You're not getting anywhere uh, with that. And I, you know, I know it's uh, it's a sickness, and I know it's difficult. But um, uh, you know, get yourself some help right away if that's if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Frank, listen, that, I'm really glad you came on today, and thank you for giving us some of your stories of Ukraine and your perspective. It's really valued. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Anthony. And. Uh, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can listen to Frank again on uh, LA News Radio 103.9 FM. Uh, that's every Monday from 2 to 3 p.m., correct? Or is it every day, 2 to 3 p.m.? Every day. Oh, it's every, every day. day oh. 2 to 3. Every day. And you could listen. Are we are we recording live tomorrow or are we pre-recording? Pre-recording. Pre- is it going to be available next week or tomorrow? No, sometime. It'll it'll be uh, ready, uh, you know, sometime uh, tomorrow or the next day. Oh, awesome. You know, streaming on bunch of places.
Awesome. So yeah, you guys could listen to us on air um, tomorrow, 2 to 3 p.m. on 103.9 FM. And then afterwards, it will be all over the glorious internet. And we'll be talking about... No, tomorrow... Oh, just to clarify, tomorrow uh, tomorrow will be pre-recording. Uh, probably sometime next week, they'll be able to hear it on 103.9. And, uh, um, but they'll be able to hear it streaming prior to that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So yeah, forget, forget what I said about the date and time, but, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a great discussion. We're going to be talking about, um, the origins of the Ukrainian Russian conflict and, uh, what led to it. So, uh, once again, Frank, thank you so much for, uh, coming on the show and, uh, to my listeners until next time. If you want more Backpacking America content, make sure to follow the social links in the podcast description. New episodes starting and ending your work week come out every Friday and Monday. Thank you again for listening and stay breezy.